Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a Medallia company, and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. I'm joined today by Jason Whitman, who is the VP of Customer Success for JustWorks. Over the past three and a half years, Jason has built up the entire post-sale team, and today we're going to be talking about how to hire the right people to create a team that both scales with the organization and delivers an exceptional customer experience. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks for having me. I've always been curious about how leaders landed in customer success. Can you fill us in on the career journey that led to your current role with JustWorks? Definitely. My journey goes, I think, way back. My first job ever, I guess, in life was actually in retail at Sears Roebuck, which is kind of like a deflated brand these days. But when I was a kid, it was like the brand, like oh, the yeah. retail brand to big. work at. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And I grew up in the Midwest in Illinois, and there it was like where they were based. And so it was like this revered brand. And I, uh, that was my first job ever. And I think for a long time, it was one of those jobs that you're kind of like ashamed or I was ashamed to put on my resume. But I actually recently updated my resume and LinkedIn profile to include it because it really foundationally is like how I got into customer service and into customer success. I worked in the sporting goods department and helped customers. And um, it was like a big part of my life for actually quite a long time. And so foundationally, I think that's actually where it started and sort of where I caught the bug and the interest to to help people and to to be a service oriented person. Uh, but more recently, uh, I was one of the early employees at Indeed.com, uh, the job site, and worked there for about ten years. And during my time there, started a team that was dedicated to supporting small business customers. Uh, so small customers getting started, maybe hiring for the first time or um, early hiring companies and. Uh, when I decided to leave Indeed, again, after 10 years, I really wanted to stay in the small business space. I was super compelled by the SMB world, uh, mostly because when you help small companies, they're so thank- thankful and so appreciative yeah. because this is their, you know, their, dr- their dream and their baby. And so you're helping them achieve <laughs> that. And so I really yeah. wanted to work for a company that was exclusively focused on the small business segment. And that's how I landed it at JustWorks. Very cool. Um, can you share a little bit about what JustWorks does and your company's mission? Yeah, our mission is to help entrepreneurs and businesses grow with confidence. So again, we're focused on that small business segment, um, and we help our customers keep their employees happy, 
give them great access to benefits, um, human level customer support, uh, and then we help them pay their employees. So if you think payroll and benefits, that's sort of like the, the baseline, but we try to do it in a really elevated way um, where we're helping our customers grow healthy and happy teams, um, not just pay people and give them benefits. It's really about right. um, building great teams and helping our customers uh, grow and scale in like a, like a positive way. That's wonderful. I love that. It's so needed too. I do think there's a history in the payroll and benefits space of uh, people who use the products not necessarily loving them. Like, I don't think anybody says like, I love my payroll company or I love my, my benefits company or my insurance provider. And so we tried to shift that and change that and turn it on, turn it on its head a little bit and have people on JustWorks who are excited to be on JustWorks and happy to be on JustWorks. And when they look for a new job, maybe that's a factor in their job search is like, I want to work for another company on JustWorks. And we hire all the people, we hire people all the time who also were on JustWorks before they came and worked here at the company. And so we want to create a, a brand that people resonate with and connect with and want to be a part of. And I think that's different than the history of uh, payroll and benefits companies. We're going to be talking about how to hire for a post-sale team. Uh, before we dive into the details, can you tell us a little bit more about your team at JustWorks? What groups are included and how is it structured from a customer journey standpoint? Definitely. The team is structured, uh, I think, in a traditional SaaS model, but with some fun intricacies that I can talk about. Uh, we have uh, an onboarding team, a customer onboarding team, where after sales closes a new customer, the customer gets handed off to the onboarding team uh, to actually implement JustWorks for them and really get them to their first payroll. That's sort of the milestone that says, okay, you're live on JustWorks. In some companies, this is called an implementation team, but uh, we call it customer onboarding. Once a, cust once a customer is live on the product, they move to our account management team. And those are the long-term brand owners. Uh, their goal is to keep customers happy, keep them on the platform, uh, retain them over time. Uh, really, they are the relationship managers for um, those customers, hopefully forever. Uh, and then we have a customer support team as well that is constantly helping um, everyone really on the JustWorks platform, but primarily all of the employees that work at these customer companies. And so an account manager might have the buyer relationship or the administrator relationship or that kind of primary contact relationship. But we also support all of the employees who are on the platform who might have questions about their individual pay or individual benefits. And sometimes the 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 business owner might call in as well because the support team is is 24-7, which is something that we implemented a couple years ago and we're super proud of. So um, I think of support as sort of the foundation for everything that we do because it's super omnichannel and anyone can call in at any time or contact us at any time. Yeah. And then the onboarding and account management steps are sort of the journey. The handoff from sales into customer onboarding and into account management is sort of the, the flow. And uh, we also have some specialist teams. Uh, we have an HR consulting group that handles escalated sort of high priority HR topics because of the space that we're in. We support our customers with HR support. And so um, they provide best practices and guidance on HR topics. Um, and then we have a bunch of really important uh, internal facing teams. So not customer facing, but they exist to support our employees. So a training team, uh, we have a product support team that liaises with our product and engineering groups 
Uh, and then we have a floor coach team, which is another uh, group that I'm really proud of the last couple of years that we developed, which is uh, a group that just sort of floats on the floor and provides support to employees when it's needed. Um, it's a role that's kind of traditional in call centers, but we actually took it and sort of blew it out for the the whole team. Okay, so those are people that are coaching your employees right. about the calls that they're on with clients. Correct, yep. Oh, cool. That's great. I love that. Um, tell me about when you first joined JustWorks. What was your biggest hiring challenge? Yeah, when I first joined, we had an amazing small group of early joiners in customer success. There were about 20 people here. And I think it was everybody was just sort of finding their way. Uh, we didn't really have team structures it was one of those cases where the phone rang, everybody sort of dived at it and like <laughs> answered the phone when they needed to, but it wasn't anybody's like specific job. Um, I also remember early in my tenure, I was sitting behind, I think our one like true dedicated customer support person. And I remember looking and she had a phone on her shoulder, sort of like when we still had phones, like pressed up against her, her head and her shoulder. Yeah. And was also taking three live chats at the same time. Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, we have to... We have to improve this and get this get this in the right direction. So it was a great group of people. Actually, she's still here. She's one of our managers now, which is awesome. So the early goals were really about structure. So building yeah. out those three main functions I talked about, support, customer onboarding, and account management, uh, building out a management team for the three of those, uh, and then really staffing. The team was pretty light early on. And so a lot of my focus uh, early on was growing the team and growing the function. Once we, once we had the structure in place, then just really recruiting and hiring. Yeah. So let's let's talk about your approach to that. Um, I mean, building a 24 by 7 team in New York is not a small task. <laughs> and so um, how did you decide how you were going to do that? And tell me a little bit more about the profile of the person that you were looking for. Yeah, 24-7 was a fascinating uh, challenge. Early in my tenure, our CEO came to me and said, I really want to do 24-7. And I said, great. You know, the natural answers there are you outsource it or you find a partner or mm -hmm. you hire people in other time zones. And so I thought, OK, this won't be too bad. And he said, no, in New York. And I thought, OK, this is this is going to be tougher. And so we really focused on people who wanted that to be their lifestyle, right, who wanted mm -hmm. to have overnight be their lifestyle or if they were working on the weekend. So for our weekend folks, we do a four day work week. So you work one weekend day. And okay. then three weekdays, uh, because we know that they probably have something else going on. Maybe they're an actor or a stand-up comedian, or they have some some other thing that they're interested in doing, and so they want those days free. And so yeah. we tried to really focus on candidates where that is the lifestyle they want to have, because I think jamming people into work schedules and work structures like is pretty challenging, and you have turnover, and it's, it's not an enjoyable employee experience, and. I know in talking to some of my peers who also had done this, sometimes you might take the approach of like, well, you work one overnight day and then you come back and you work a day shift and then you work a second shift. And um, we also heard feedback from employees who did that. So that's like very challenging to not have a set schedule. And so one of our commitments was once you have your shift, whatever it is, if it's daytime, if it's overnight, um, if it's weekend, that is your shift forever. And you can like build your life around that. And so we really looked for people where they wanted to have that lifestyle or they wanted to shift to that lifestyle versus like doing rotating shifts or jamming people into some schedule that they weren't going to be comfortable with. So we were able to achieve it. We built out a whole uh, overnight and weekend function to complement 
our day shifters all in New York. They're all our own employees. So they can come to company events, holiday parties. They can stop in for team pictures. I saw one of our overnight employees just yesterday in the office, gave him a hug. And so it's a pretty nice thing to have them be part of our company versus yeah. some outsourced, outsourced group. Yeah, that's really cool. It's impressive. Um, I mean, hiring in New York alone just presents a number of challenges. I think first there's the competitive job market, and then second, the cost of living is high. I mean, you you mentioned um, that you were getting people who maybe had other things they wanted to do, like acting or you know, <laughs> getting getting into some other field, and that this is this is sort of a way that they can work and do the other thing that they're interested in. Um, tell me a little bit more about the profile of the person you were looking for. Yeah, I think our profile is interesting and maybe a little non-traditional. Uh, when I talk to yeah. other Very CS leaders about it, <laughs> other CS leaders about it, sometimes yeah. they um, are surprised. I would say yeah. so. We it took us a little while to figure it out. So being totally honest, like we didn't have this figured out day one. It took us some time to figure this oh, out. Yeah. But what we decided to do based on our space, which is again pay and benefits, so like super personal super important to people's lives. Every time you talk to a customer, you want to put yourself in their shoes and make a connection with them in like a very personal way and show a ton of empathy. And uh -huh. so what we found was to be able to achieve that. So that was the goal was this like very human, personal, emotional service. To be able to do that, we really indexed for candidates who are people who care about other people. Um, I call it a caring streak, people with a high caring streak. Um, but what we found was to achieve that, you sort of have to throw out a lot of other things. So we stopped really worrying about experience or about skills necessarily. And we indexed okay. really for that caring streak. So is this person someone who is really kind, empathetic, supportive, and is going to take care of other people? And those other people are certainly our customers, but it's also about their teammates. Because in our space, again, with this very personal type of subject matter, there are going to be times when you have a tough call or you have a tough customer interaction and you want to feel supported by the people around you too. So mm -hmm. it's sort of two-sided. It's like if you have a great experience with your teammates, that translates to being able to deliver a great customer experience. And so we threw out sort of traditional uh, hiring requirements around experience and skills, and we focused on this caring streak. And um, it's worked out really, really well. Um, the result, though, is our team is ultra diverse across all different uh, facets. So not just the traditional ethnicity and gender diversity, but like yeah. background and, and thought and all different types of things. So uh, we have people on the team who used to be pre-med, who did genetic research, who were social workers, opioid addiction counselors, uh, managers of a yoga studio, uh, summer camp directors, like it's all across the board. So from the outside, you look at it and you're like, Jason, like, what the heck did you do? But when you're, when you're here, when you're here and you feel it, or you're a customer and you feel it, you're like, oh yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Very cool. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Today, I'd like to talk about one type of consulting engagement we offer at the Success League. Customer success deep dives last between three days and two weeks and are focused on helping companies plan a customer success program tailored to their organization. Common deep dive topics include metrics and goals, hiring and compensation, customer journey mapping, and segmentation. 
Each deep dive session includes concrete deliverables, like business models and annual plans, that you can quickly put to use. If you need help with planning for 2019, a deep dive engagement is a great way to kickstart your efforts. Visit the consulting page on our website, thesuccessleague.io, for more information. I also want to mention StrikeDeck's new Customer 360 template. This free download is the best way to figure out if you're ready for a customer success tool. It is an automated spreadsheet that will help you keep track of all your current customers, generating an individual health score for each one. Quick reports can be easily developed through the Analytics tab, and tasks can be tracked on the Task Manager. If you're looking for a quick, simple-to-use, yet robust solution for your CS needs, StrikeDeck's Customer 360 template is the tool for you. Download your copy today at strikedeck.com. And now, back to our interview. So Jason, you mentioned that you've been able to gather this really diverse team. I think, you know, we all sort of know at a high level that diversity is important, but how has that specifically benefited your company? It's a great question. I think everyone is focusing on diversity and inclusion and diverse hiring practices. And I think we really fell into it uh, in the positive, in a positive way. So taking the approach of hiring, caring individuals as like the thing we index for and not really worrying about those, the other factors, so experience and, and skills, that you don't box yourself in as much. And so you have this very wide hiring aperture and you can get a really diverse uh, a diverse team. The, the benefits for us have been really around diversity of thought. And so mm-hmm. when you're tackling a problem together or you're dealing with a customer situation together, when you bring people together from all different backgrounds and all different types of experience, they look at things a very different way and you get lots of great voices in the room and lots of great ideas. And if you just hire from this very small box, let's say from your competitors, which we've sort of avoided doing, um, you don't have that same range of ideas and thought. And so diversity for us, as I mentioned, is definitely the traditional, we look at the traditional metrics around uh, ethnicity and gender. But for me, it's about like when you're tackling something big, having a wide range of experience and ideas to like provide the best solution to the customer or for the company. And um, that's definitely, it's definitely helped us there. So when I'm in a room and I'm looking at like the person who was pre-med and the person who used to run the summer camp and it's like, you get like all these different thoughts and uh, it's really cool. That's great. That increases creativity. And I think creativity is such an important strength for customer success teams to have. So that's wonderful that you're doing that. It made me think of another question though. Um, you know, when you are running a 24 by 7 team, it, I think that one of the challenges is being able to, as the leader, hear all of those voices because not all the voices are there when you're there. How do, how do you handle that and make sure that everybody's got a got some input? Yeah, it's definitely challenging. Uh, like I said, when this overnight employee was in the office yesterday, I was so joyous to see him and, and hug him and hear what was going on with him. So um, you don't, yeah, you don't see and hear from the employees as much, which is a challenge. I think you, for us, we just have to make the time. You force yourself to make the time. And so their manager spends a lot of time on video chats with them and doing stand-ups with them, quote-unquote stand-ups, sort of virtual stand-ups uh, via video. Uh, late at night, I'll check in with our overnight folks. I'll say hi and check in and see how things are going and ask if they need help. And their managers do a lot of that uh, as well. For our weekend uh, folks who are only in the office three weekdays uh, per week, 
making sure that if there's some event or some team lunch that you do it on Wednesday when everybody is here together. And so it just takes a lot of thought and a lot of like explicit thinking about it. And I'll be honest, it wasn't something that came naturally. We said we really have to like be uh, really forceful about it and say like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for the overnight folks? And so when we do trainings and other things that you might traditionally do in person, uh, we now do those virtually via recordings through our learning management system. Or when we have our weekly team meeting, we always, always record it and post it to our internal wiki so that if they if the employee wasn't there, they don't work that day, they work overnight, they can watch the team meeting. And so, but you have to like make that concerted effort. It's not something that happens naturally. Uh, but by focusing on it, uh, you can really make everybody feel like uh, part of the team. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a lot of hard work for sure. I also want to explore your approach to training and onboarding. When you have people from diverse backgrounds, which is great, um, it, it's wonderful and it brings diversity of thought to your team, but everyone is then bringing different skills to the table. How did you train the team so that they all had a baseline of knowledge about your product and the industry and the job itself? We take training and onboarding really seriously. Uh, when I started, we really didn't have a training function at all. Uh, and new employees were sort of left on their own to absorb everything. And while that works in some businesses, it's pretty hard at JustWorks because of the complexity of our of our content and all the many things that we do for customers. And so one of the things that I did was build out an explicit training team just for customer success. And we have new hire trainers that are dedicated just to the new hire experience, as well as ongoing development trainers. But our, our two new hire trainers focus on that new employee experience exclusively and are always working to improve that and tweak that. And so our current training is five weeks, uh, which is actually quite intense. And it's a mix of classroom and quizzes and games and shadowing and reverse shadowing and mentor time. And so we try to keep it as multimedia and as diverse as possible. Uh, but it is a lot of time in the classroom with trainers learning the content because we really don't hire people from our industry purposely. And so um, you have to get everybody up to sort of that same level, as you mentioned. Uh, and then once they're done with the five weeks, they spend more time, depending on the role, more time with their teams, digging in and spending time with mentors and managers to, to be ready to do whatever they do, whether that's taking on new accounts from sales or helping existing customers or taking phone calls. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a really concerted effort and something we take really seriously. That's great. Um, I love your approach and I, I love that it's sort of turned into diversity, uh, even though that wasn't sort of the explicit intent of it. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Um, if somebody in our audience is in a major city like New York or San Francisco, where they're going to run into some of the things that you ran into, like a competitive job market and high cost of living, um, how would you recommend they get started? What what did you do that you think you would suggest to somebody else? The most important thing to do I th when you're getting started, I think, is to have an identity for what you want your servicing to be like. And how do you want to service your customers? Do you want it to be just good enough service? Do you want it to be delight level service? Do you want it like, what do you want that experience to be? And I think once you know that and you've documented that and maybe you've attached some values to that or a mission to that, you can use that as part of your hiring. So we set up some very specific team identity elements that we just talk about all the time. So it's, you're a human, you're an owner, you're an optimist, and you're an expert. 
And we repeat these things all the time. So we repeat them in our team meeting. We use them in recruiting. We use them in performance management. And then it really gets everybody on the same page about how we are going to service this business. And so I think if you're getting started, you sort of have to know what you're shooting for, right? Like, what do you want that servicing experience to be like? And in some companies, it might be high touch and white glove. In some companies, it might not be, or maybe the product dictates that it should be or shouldn't be. And so once you have that, then I think it's easier to plan out how you want to recruit and um, if you can open up the aperture that way, the way that we did, or maybe you can't. Uh, so I think that identity is really key. And I talked to a lot of peers of mine who are trying to scale teams, and I think it's pretty hard to do it until you have that uh, and you have everybody bought in to what you're trying to do. But once you have it, it's like very guiding and um, really, really helpful. And especially when you are interviewing to be able to say like, yes, we think this person can deliver service the way that we want. Um, it's nice to have that sort of North Star to look to. That's great. That's a great place to start. Um, last question. This is something that we ask all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? I see something really specific. I don't know what you see, but I think one thing <laughs> I see is this, like, this pull or push, I don't know the word, between human service and the sort of chatbot AI trend. And I feel like different companies are pushing it sort of both ways. I feel like we're pushing at JustWorks into this very human delight level servicing. And I see other companies starting to do that as well, sort of bringing customer service back, quote unquote, into like a real thing that is part of the the value prop. Mm -hmm. But I'd say like 90% of the vendors who contact me as a CS leader are contacting me about chatbots and AI and things that sort of remove the humanness from service, or at least can remove it for the sake of efficiency. And so I think there's this sort of push and pull around human level service and then automation and like finding a happy balance. So I don't know if it's a trend, but for me, it's like this constant debate of like, yes, we could implement a product that deflects some percent of our inquiries away, but we want to talk to those customers. Like we want to talk to them. We want to delight them. We want to provide them with like a, a personal connection. And so how do you find that balance of like using great tools that help customers, but like not sacrificing the human element, I think is like a really interesting sort of state that we're in, in customer success today. And um, it's been fun to sort of like watch it kind of shift one way and the other and to have my own internal debates about like how to shift it one way or the other. So it's something that I see a lot for sure. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, I, I have gone back and forth on this in my own head um, because there's part of me that really likes great customer service, you know, and I love it when I have a person who's working with me and whatever it is I'm trying to do, they're helping me and it's a fun connection and that's a really great experience. But at the same time, I've had really great experiences that have been technology driven too and where mm -hmm. I never actually talk to a person at all. And in some of those cases, that was my preference. And so, yeah, I think it's really fascinating. And the the perfect balance is probably different for every company. Yeah, I think it sort of goes back to the identity, right? Like, how do you want to service your product and your business? And it's probably going to differ if you're doing payroll and benefits versus screen sharing versus something else. And so, yeah, yeah I think it can, look, it can look pretty different. So I don't know if there's a single answer, but I think it's like a really interesting debate. And I agree with you. I love self-service when it works really well. Yeah. I think when it works poor, poorly, it's pretty 
tragic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my CEO sends me screen captures sometimes of his own like consumer level experiences. Yeah. And he's like, don't ever, don't ever do this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah. So I think those are, it's a, uh, it's an interesting debate for sure. Yeah. I think the thing that all of the really great technology driven experiences that I've had have in common is that some human put a tremendous amount of thought into what that experience was going to be like before they actually automated it. So, you know, it, it was clear that they they really thought about what was the customer going to be going through, and then they used technology to support it instead of the other way around where they just choose some technology and then kind of push it out to customers and hope that the experience is okay. You know, I, I think, you know, if you are looking at how can you leverage technology, the biggest piece of that in getting it right is making sure that you've thought about what you want the experience to be. And it goes back to your point about having that North star, I think, you know? Yeah. I think if a, uh, I think a bot, if it can get the customer, the answer that he or she needs really fast, it can be great. Yeah. If the bot is like pretending to be a human, I think that's where <laughs> things get a little bit funky and like where I've had challenges in my own experiences. And so I think there's like, you have to think about, yeah, what you want that, that flow to be like, and like not trying to replicate a human experience yeah. with a bot, but, but yeah, I mean, technology can be great to get answers delivered quickly for sure. Yeah. yeah we all know the bot is not a human, so don't <laughs> try to fool us. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> well, Jason, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. I love your approach to building out your teams and while diversity was a side effect, I think it was a wonderful one. So thanks for sharing with us today and we'd love to have you back at some point. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure. I love talking about my team and uh, yeah, I, I love uh, sharing what we've done. I think it's a, a great story and hopefully it can help other people. Yeah. Um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn as Jason Whitman, my full name. Okay. Uh, also, you can check out JustWorks at JustWorks.com. And uh, yeah, if anyone has questions or wants to follow up, I'd, I'd love to chat with folks. Great. Thank you. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit StrikeDeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.